passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We appreciate everyone listening. Our numbers are going through the roof. I wonder if it's because we're so sexy or football is kind of fun right now. Hmm. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Cole Carmody right here in the GPC studios. Ryan Gills Gilbert is off today because he had something else to take care of. He's bartending. But he will be back with us on the pregame podcast. He and I will convene later this week to record that segment. We are sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you're coming to town on Saturday. If you haven't stopped in The Fridge, but you've heard about them and heard about them and heard about them from this talking monkey on this podcast, make sure you stop right there at Claflin and Westport. Yes. You got it right. Ding. Wow. Oh, Ding. man. I that know. means K-State's going to lose a football oh, game. Oh, crap. Alternate helmets and Fitz got the address right. Yep. Not good signs. But make sure you stop in there. Go check it out. Don't bring that home booze. Go get the road booze. It's a game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium that demands fresh liquor, fresh beer. And you can find it right there at the fridge. They can help you out with your favorite tailgating needs. A busy day around here. I had to film the walk and talk three times because first weather, second, uh, because, uh, excuse me, I'm going to say her name or his name. Siri uh, decided to interrupt my second one. You have a man, Siri? I do have a man, Siri. Yeah, I, I went with the man. Because the other person I talk to all the time is clearly a female. Except the version of her that is Samuel L. Jackson, which is also wonderful. Oh, man, it's weird not having gills here. we got an open seat. The dogs seem sad. But we have so much to talk about. We can talk about Ryan Gilbert and his weirdness. We'll have no Trump impressions in this. We'll have nothing. We have nothing from him. It's going to be kind of (laughs) nice. 
K-State just thumps Missouri. Missouri got a a sympathy touchdown for itself with zeros on the clock. Congratulations, Eli Drinkwitz. You took a bad day and made it worse. You managed to humiliate your team in a way that Kansas State couldn't. You're one hell of a football coach. Wow, what a dork. Did you see that video of... Somebody edited it and put the caption of him going around. He's like, yes, yes. And it was like when you lose by four touchdowns instead of five. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. He is such a tool. Casey just cast aside an SEC opponent. Missouri thought they were coming in here and rolling. I talked to a buddy. um, Well, I'll just say Gabe DeArmond from the Missouri rival site. We don't have a rival or we don't have a Missouri site on 24 seven. Everyone's waiting on Gabe. Gabe is the Lord of Columbia. And Gabe said, I tried to tell my subscribers that this was a good team, but little old K state has never earned the respect of Missouri. And I guarantee to this day, it still hasn't happened, but that's fine. Uh, there's no gentle way of saying it. Just F off. And uh, Tulane comes to town this week. I will be sharing a great Tulane story on a daily delivery here this week. Probably same day as this goes up because that's a topic. Remind me, Zach, that that's my topic. Because by the time we get to the middle of this podcast, I'll totally forget. You're just the K-State historian. First you had the the, the story about the fur coat. Yeah. And now we have this Tulane story. What yeah. are you going to do for Oklahoma? Um, I could probably come up with, uh, I could share the Mark Mangino story that, that no, I won't do that. Mark and I have <laughs> mended our fences. Mm. Let's get rolling here with your questions at Wabash station. You know, the drill, the fridge sponsors us. Our VIP customers get to ask the questions on our premium message board, Wabash station. And thanks so much to everyone who's subscribed to the site. We are one of the fastest growing sites on the 24 seven sports network. We continue to reach more and more case staters. It's kind of fun. And our boards are hopping. Our traffic's at an all time high. It is a good time to be go Pyrocat, but more importantly, it's a great time to be a wildcat. Here's Mr. Cole Carmody with your questions from Wabash station. The first question of the podcast comes from K Lou 42. In light of a new uniform aspect for this week, describe your dream football uniform. Only condition is that it can't be one we already have. Let's talk about the new uniform first, though. Right. We have the flag willy or pennant willy. I don't know what people want to call it. I call it the flag willy. Fitz has called it the pennant willy. It's a pennant. It is not the cocaine willy. Which I'm not sure what that is, but I'm sure Willie had a good time. A willy good time. Willy good time. I like it. Um, And then they're wearing that on the right side of the helmet. And instead of reversing it, because it would kind of be awkward to reverse it, they're wearing numerals on the left side of the helmet. It's something that Boise State has done frequently, wearing a decal on one side of logo and then numbers on the other side. But it's a look in college football. And then they're wearing the white pants that they wore three times in 2019. Don't forget the cats. Uh, script on the little brim of Ooh, the helmet. The what do you get, the forehead bridge. I don't, I don't know, know what, I don't know what, what you call it. Is. Yeah, that, yeah. The what, little bumper, the bumper on top. Is that what the purpose of it is? A little bumper just to protect the face mask. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's the piece that attaches. Do you think the it covers up the screw? Anymore. Yeah, covers yeah. up the screw. So okay. I'll say this. Um, first of all, shout out to the Turner Bears and my stepdad, who is the head coach there. He has the exact same type of helmet decals. They have the big old claw on one side mm-hmm. and the numbers on the other. So immediately, that's the first thing I thought of. I love the look on the helmets. Um, maybe I'm crazy, but I would love just to see numbers on the helmets too. Just go old Penn State style. I think that's a good look, but um, no. No. you're not a fan? 
I like what they did. I, no, I a like logo it. with the numbers. Did is... Penn State ever wear numbers on the sides? Yeah, they did it a long time ago. Yeah, they're more known for plain white with a stripe on it. Or maybe not Penn State. You're thinking, thinking Alabama. Of, yeah, Alabama. Yeah. Either way, um, I like the the logo and the numbers, but I really like the number on the side. I think it's cool. Okay, I find this fascinating because the pennant. Willie was what we had at Kansas State in the 80s when I was on campus. And we didn't hate it. We just thought it was dorky. It didn't have any, like, macho football. Macho, and, macho. And it's never been. We Oh, God, we're going to get a copyright <laughs> hit right there. Uh, we're going to uh, put this on the helmet for the first time. It's never been on a helmet. As far as I know, it's never been on a uniform of a major sport. I mean, there's a version that golf uses, but that's that's different. It's not even the same one that our post-game podcast sponsor, Caddyshack Golf, uses. They have their own logo, own version of it. I'm pretty I, sure it's the same. It's not. It's not? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. They had it first, and then K-State Golf wanted to use it and did their own thing. Well, I'm intrigued by it. I'm kind of with Ryan Wallace. There was a lot of hoopla, and we're still not seeing any uniform tops for a variety of reasons. And, Zach, here is my theory. This is my theory, and it's going to make people mad because you know what I do. I make people mad with my theories. <laughs> so K-State for years was given mock-ups by Nike of possible uniforms. Ryan Wallace posted some of that on Wabash Station for our subscribers, a great backstory to the uniforms that were never used but sent to Kansas State. And Al Serby, who's a really good equipment manager, uh, has not approved any of those and not put it out there, but mostly we can recognize that Bill Snyder didn't want that. But after years of mocking up potential uniform changes for K-State and K-State saying, nah, 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 I would imagine K-State is at the bottom or close to it of Nike's to-do list. If you keep doing stuff for someone and they don't want it, then you're going to stop doing it. And I think K-State now kind of has to reboot, but they're kind of in limbo with that whole Nike deal. They just kind of extended it. I mean, they're in the, they're already in the second year of a three-year extension. Right. right. And so they can't even really go to work on them now for two years down the road. Because new uniforms take two years right. to design. So if you're going to – if you started last year – for you, they would come out next year, and you'd only wear them from one year if you stay if you didn't stay with Nike. So and, there's no long term stability to make new uniforms at this point. And to prove that I can turn any topic into a discussion of conference realignment, <laughs> I say if you add Oregon to the Big Twelve, Phil Knight will get much more interested in making sure K State has fresh Nike looks. At least I think so. So, in other words, K State basketball does yes. fine, though. They've done decently yeah. well lately. But see, that proves my point. They haven't ever turned down Nike for designs, they have always embraced it and they get new designs. I fully believe basketball is going to get new uniforms this year, by the <gasps> way. I don't know if they'll have time. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I think basketball is easier to get Still going. a two year process. Yeah. And Nike basketball still is kind of templatey. When it comes to designing the garments and yeah, you change the looks, the striping, whatever else, but I mean, it all of their, all of their stuff is still pretty standard across the board. It helped that the, the whites were basically, this is the old uniform, do this, modernize this, you know, with the script walk. So let me ask you this. I like the new uniforms though. And I like the new helmets. I do. I think it's a cool look. I'm all for it. 
But if they lose to Tulane in these things, we're never going to see another helmet again. Well, okay, so this kind of brings up my next question for you guys um, on the same topic of the uniforms. If K-State were to beat Tulane, they go into Oklahoma <laughs> undefeated. Oklahoma's undefeated. Do you bust out the all-whites no. for that game? Absolutely not. Yes. Prime time, Saturday night on Fox. But I think I, that, but that's a reason I don't go with the alternate helmet or the alternate mark. I might do the white helmet with the purple power, power cat. cat. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, I might do that. But I for a primetime game on Fox, you have to. for this brand, you better go back to the power cat. That's I think fine. that's yeah. important. At the very least, silver lid. Hmm. You can go white, white. Are we going to see lid. more than this, Zach? I mean, are we going to see more variations of just, what the combinations they have? What yeah. I'm bothered by, this is a game in the middle of September played in the afternoon. They brought out white helmet, white pants. Why did they not bring out the white top? Just go full white And, and tell home. Tulane, bring your colors. Yeah. And, and, if and Tulane, can... Tulane ha- for, for being a Nike school that is not a, a Power 5 school. and They have some cool jerseys. They're, because they work, they will work with Nike. UCF, they'll work with Nike. All of these schools that are in the, in the American that have Nike, they do a good job of creating stuff. Tulane loves cool looks. So that light blue uniform yeah. they wear. It would be badass. cool if there was an if K State where they're all whites and they wore their all blue, make it like a color rush. Yeah. What do we know? Yeah. Okay. So what would you like to see them do? It'll I, never happen. I know. I but lavender. You got to put some sort of lavender yeah, that's where, into the uniform and. I don't think they'll ever do a lavender uniform or a lavender helmet, but I would like to see um, mostly the road uniform and go with the all whites, except substitute in lavender piping for the silver and a lavender stripe down a solid purple helmet with the white power cat. Now, they haven't gone to, they want to do a purple helmet, but this gets back to their color palette issues with their purple trying to match a stock helmet. Mm-hmm. Purple to their purple uniform is a challenge, so they haven't done it. But that's alleviated if you do it with the whites on the road. That's I mean, what I would like to see. How about you guys? Lavender. Yeah. Do do it. Do lavender. Do color rush. Pants. Lavender. Lavender top. Purple pants. Purple no. helmet. Our our good friend Mike Stanley on on Twitter and other places does an incredible job of mocking up. I wasn't a big fan of doing lavender. I felt like Gene Taylor too. Let's just leave that for basketball. And then I saw what Mike did with those the lavender look, the purple and lavender and it's it's cool. It's the really cool. The- and and the fan base has embraced lavender more now than we did in the 70s and early 80s when it was a basketball well, uniform. The fact of the matter is lavender is maybe the hottest color in fashion right now. Lavender any you go to any store anywhere They've got a lavender something, mm-hmm. lavender shorts, lavender shirt. You can go get lavender wherever you want. The fact that K State, you know, has all of this, you know, fan apparel that's lavender is just it kind of backs up the fact that they have all this stuff. It's a popular color right now. Let's put it on. Can I tell you what Ryan Gilbert would think? Oh boy, this is exactly what he would say. And when He's he, seventy-five years. When old. he listens back to this podcast, he knows exactly what I'm about to say. Yes. Uniforms definitely impact the game. Okay, there's your Ryan Gilbert quote. Um, the Cole Carmody quote is that, yeah, all lavender. Color rush, I, I mean, look like the Seattle Seahawks for all I care. I think it would look awesome, and I would totally be up for it. That's okay. my opinion. So here's my final take on this. I understand the reluctance to get into lavender, but I think this this university needs to stop and think about the fact that its only school color is purple. 
and then white also. The royal purple is their only school color. For all you traditionalists who are like, well, we got a silver. That is not a school color. That's as much a school color as lavender. And I think K-State should go all in on lavender, make it a school color, incorporate it into official stuff, incorporate it into more uniforms. Why? Because no one else that has purple will have the balls to do it, will have the cultural uh, ties to the color. It would be so weird for Washington to start doing lavender. I don't think they've ever had lavender. TCU has never really had lavender. They've incorporated black. That's what their look is. And I don't mind that look, but I like purple and lavender better than purple and black. Go all in on the lav. That's that's really where I've come to. Fans are buying this merchandise like crazy. And it's not because it's trendy, but because this is a color now that has had a growth in popularity and an acceptance by men that we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. When I was in in grade school or college, lavender was on the same level as pink. It really was. And you know what? If you, if you got red and you can wear some pink in your uniform, I say do it too. But K-State should go all in on purple and lavender and white as official school colors. I would love it. I don't think it'll happen, but it should be discussed amongst anyone who makes these decisions about branding for the university. This university needs a dynamic, fresh look that goes with the power cat. And if you turn on TV and you see a lavender uniform, K-State. Exactly. End of story. Exactly. You can't even say that really now with all the weird stuff Oregon does because other people are doing weird stuff. Mm -hmm. The Seahawks are doing it now. Tulane. Tulane does it. I mean, I... I don't want to have looks that are just alternate looks because at times I watch Oklahoma State and I don't recognize them as being Oklahoma State because they've gone away from their look too much. If you stick with lavender and you stick with purple, don't uh, stay stay out of the black lane. Other people are doing it. That's not your lane. Here's your lane, white, purple, and lavender. Let's go. That's a K-State look, and it will only be a K-State look because, again, I don't see anyone else doing it. Are we ready to talk some football now? Let's oh talk boy. some football. Damn it. Okay. Next question comes from General Schwartz. Even when K-State's linebackers get healthier, has Austin Moore played himself into an every game starter? Oh, absolutely. The machine. Absolutely 100%. Absolutely. And he got the Jordy Nelson scholarship this year, too. It's so cool. I mean, he's such a good kid, but he is uh, all business. Even when he comes in the media room, all business. Uh, I'll just say this. I don't mean this is an insult. This is just me being... Goofy me. He looks like the kid that'll load your clubs on the golf cart. Right? Doesn't he look like you pull up and, hello, Mr. Carlson, how you doing today? And you give him a five for loading your clubs? I don't think he would be that enthusiastic. I don't think he's that enthusiastic. He's too... Hello, Mr. Carlson. Can I clean all these clubs for you real quickly? And he would just take care of... He would do it better than anyone else. I feel like he's not a very service-oriented guy. He's that much business. He's like, I'm... yeah. He's not going to help you. He's going to hurt you. He's going to tackle you. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't get intimidated, but when Austin Moore walks into the media room, he gives me this look where it's like, if you say something bad, I might tackle you. Well, that's a real concern for you. I get that vibe. Huh? That he is a machine. Fitted. I'm not convinced that he's not the Terminator. The Robo-backer. Cole, Cole could take him. Oh, let's just start calling him Robo-backer. He's really not that big. Like, if he's you not. See him in person, yeah. it's, it's, I think, honestly, I think I might be big, like taller and... Fatter than he is. Well, yeah. Uh, bigger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you walked in earlier this year, I'm like, wow, you're a linebacker. I mean, but that just shows a change in the game, though. It's about speed and, you know, less about power football. 
Um, and if K-State gets into a, a game with a power team, that will be interesting to see how he handles it. But he also just seems to get past blockers before they know what the hell's going he on. He dominated Missouri. Yeah. I mean, he absolutely dominated Missouri. And I think that'll continue on Saturday against Tulane. And I think I'll be very curious to see how he goes against yeah. Oklahoma. If he keeps it up against OU, there's no way you can take him off the field. Uh, and, there's no way. And there's I, nobody else you can put in. We were talking about this before the show. I'm still not convinced that Wahonis is going to be back in yeah, soon. I'm beginning to worry about it. They stopped mentioning him. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. But I do know that Austin Moore is legit. Like, I'm ready to say he is a Big 12 starter. I'm and, just. By the way, I'm just referring to him now on Twitter as Machine Moore. Because it kind of sounds good. The Robo Backer. The Machine. Uh-huh. like it. Yep. Next question from the greatest name on this podcast oh from boy. Bush and the Hog. Mm. Should we? Maybe he's not the greatest. Okay. It's pretty good though. It's up there. Should we be concerned by how little K State has thrown the ball, or impressed how dominant their run game has been? This is the most hot topic on Wabash Station. So if you don't agree with our answers, make sure you're signing up to GoPowerCat.com and get in on the action. So you can tell us that we are wrong. Yeah. yeah. Which you're free to do, by the way. Tell us we're wrong. Um. I would be if it was dry on Saturday. It was a freaking monsoon. Can we not do we do we not understand this? Well, like nobody had success throwing the football. Mm-mm. This is this you could have had Patrick Mahomes back there, they would have ran the same game plan. Yeah, I love the response. Missouri threw the ball. Yeah, they threw four interceptions. That's the point. In a row. In a row. They, In a row. <laughs> it was uh and I guess you had to kind of be around the rain to understand that it was just like a persistent soaking rain that just drenched everything. It wasn't like it was fat and scattered raindrops. It was just like a wall of water coming down. I mean, it was, I couldn't believe the amount of standing water when I went to post game and even after post game, the amount of standing water just everywhere at that stadium because it rained so much. The ball was heavy and slippery and K-State decided to run the ball. And it worked. It was the second most rainy game that I can recall working for Go Power Cat. Nothing will ever top the 2015 Texas game. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a hurricane hurricane that crossed the Pacific Ocean, crossed Mexico, went into Texas, and just dumped. The, all I know all is this. Game. All I know is this. I'm going to make a comparison because there was lots of rain that went on this weekend. But did lots you guys have rain? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Did you guys happen to see the Bears and the 49ers at all on Sunday? No. no. Okay. It was an actual downpour. Like the whole game, they're standing water on the field. People want to make comparisons and get mad at Adrian Martinez for how he played. Understand that K State won 40 to 12. Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears beat the 49ers 19 to 10. You want to know what Justin Fields' stat line was? Yeah. Eight for 17 with 121 yards. Oh, he's horrible. He's the worst quarterback. And they won. So, But his mom makes good cookies. Very true. Jeez. The point is this. Sorry. Adrian Martinez and K-State did what they needed to do to win. If it wouldn't have been raining, they would have looked like they did on the first drive, in which he threw for more yards on the first drive of the game than he did all of the previous games. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So if you want to talk about the passing game, just go watch the first drive. And then tell me if you're still worried. Because after the first drive, you can throw it out the window because it was a literal monsoon. Okay, I said this on the walk and talk. Correct me if I'm wrong. Every time we ask about the passing game, they just kind of have this, like, look on their face like, oh, it's coming. You know, like they have such confidence in what they're going to do. I I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do much of it on Saturday. I don't think I don't, I don't think they're going to. I wouldn't I be surprised this- if they throw it just enough and run it 
and don't put more on film, if they can beat Tulane without the passing game, they're so confident in what they can do in the passing game, I think they might just try to hold it for Oklahoma and have not shown a bit of it that they want to run in Norman. I don't know. And I get the feeling that if they open up early in Oklahoma, at Oklahoma and they're dominating on the ground, yes. they will keep doing it. Why would you change? If you have Deuce, you have DJ, you know, and you're able to run into rounds with the wide receivers just fine, why are you throwing the ball? The score was 20-3 to three with 13 minutes left or seven minutes left to go in the second quarter. It was a blowout after Phillip Brooks took that kick back for a touchdown. Why would you try and risk losing the game when you're absolutely manhandling them? And let's not forget this. The offensive line right now is better than they were last year. I am in full belief of that. So, uh, yeah, the run game has been dominant. And no, I am not concerned, and you should not be concerned. And if you are, I think, quite honestly, you're just looking for something to get mad at at this point. Yes. Thank you. Is that Gills? Okay. Yeah, that, was, that was me that Gills stole from me. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Next question comes from KSU Todd. What do you need to see against Tulane to feel K-State is elevating to a top two position in the conference? Well, Todd, (laughs) I just wanted to do that. Um, Domination. I mean, domination. Look, I said this on the walk and talk too. I'm stealing from myself, but I admire Willie Fritz as a coach and I like what he's done with his scheduling. They played UMass trash, Alcorn State double trash and beat the living snot out of both of them. And they probably feel really good about themselves coming in here and also knowing that they pestered Oklahoma. in the Was it just last year? Yeah, last year. Yep, they pestered Oklahoma. They're coming here to win. I mean, they. this might be... We had a question about this. We didn't put it in, or did we? Sorry, I forgot. Uh, we, that's okay. I don't know who, this is don't know who asked it, it, but yes. This is right. where we're going to talk about it. I don't know who asked it. But uh, I think Tulane might be the best team on the non-conference schedule after watching Missouri in person and seeing how horribly coached they were, how horrible they execute, and how they have no function as a team. They don't have any, like, identity at all. Tulane will have those things coming in here. They will be well coached. They have a quiet confidence about them. They like their quarterback. They know how to use him. They're going to run past option K-State all day long and test that defense. So I, I, I'm excited about this game. I'm fired up. Domination by meaning what? Are you looking for score? Well, they've won for physicality. If you don't count the last touchdown, which I wish we couldn't, it would be 34 points margin of victory both games. So if they get into that 30 point range and beating this Tulane team, they're pretty good. I mean, K State's pretty good. But again, folks, I don't think that'll get them into the the rankings. These are K State rules. Okay, this isn't Texas A&M rules where you can lose at home to an opponent that you should beat and you don't drop out of the top 25 because you're Texas A&M where you have no business being in it after losing to a a non-Power 5 school at home. You should be out of the rankings, period. Everyone else would be. I know if K-State was ranked eighth and lost to Appalachian State at home, they'd be out. But these are the K-State rules. This is what you got to deal with. Beating Tulane by any score, unless there's a lot of chaos ahead of you in the rankings. A lot of teams lose. They ain't putting K-State in the top. K-State's still, what, 29th, 30th right now? 29th. Okay. I mean, there's an outside chance. They need some help at the bottom of the pole. Right. If if a bunch of teams, if 20 through 25 all lose, K-State will be in. Now, let me say this. The fact that they're playing a primetime game on Fox on Saturday night makes me think that they might have a chance 
to not this Saturday, next Saturday. Okay. To yeah. be ranked to be going ranked. into the Oklahoma game or yes, uh, simply because think, no. this is a good conspiracy theory that they will rank K State not for the sake of Kansas State, but because it'll look better for Oklahoma yes. to play a ranked team. And again, you have a top twenty-five matchup between two teams on Fox. On Saturday I just night. think asking the AP voters to conspire to yeah. put K State in the rankings is a little bit too much for for a conspiracy. Or brain those like guys us. are looking at the schedule and they say they're playing at seven o'clock at night. They must be pretty good. I will say though, if K State is 4-0 after the Oklahoma game, they will be a top 15 team. Agree. They will That is interesting. That's where I was going. Huge jump. That's where I was going. If they're not ranked at 3-0 and they go to Norman and win, I, I, they should be in the top 15, but I doubt they will be. I doubt that we can't put them in that high, but you would do it for someone else that had a bigger brand. Uh, the APs is, I mean, Stuart Mandel has summed it all up. He can't see past a brand anymore. He can't even cover football unless it's for a brand. He's, it's, and he's not alone in that in sports writing. So many sports writers are so self-involved and self-indulgent that they only want to go to the brands because everything else is beneath them. And they're playing a big role in the, the ruining of college football. I will say this, and this is the last thing I'll say before we move on to the last question of the first half. I firmly believe that if K-State dominates Tulane, and if they have around a 30-point margin of victory, I think K-State can beat Oklahoma in Oklahoma. I think they will can start 4-0. And I might actually change my prediction if that happens because I think the defense is a lot better than we all thought. And um, I'm not worried about the passing game, so I'm just going to say that. I think um, margin of victory... I'm pretty firm on this. It doesn't really matter. But if they're as physical as they have been, to me, that's the best part about this K-State team is how physical they are on offense and defense. If you continue that physicality and you wear down Tulane, you got to be feeling good going into the Oklahoma game. Yep, so. I agree. I, it, this is a really important moment. I mean, I would argue that K-State's playing a better opponent this week than, Nebraska, uh, than Oklahoma is in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the truth. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Last question of the first half comes from AmeriCat. As someone who lives out of state, can you describe the fan conditions for the Mizzou game? I was shocked that it was a sellout and so few returned after the rain delay. It surprises me because I figured many of the fans drove two more hours to get there and only stayed for one and a half quarters. I mean, by the end of the rain delay, it was, what, one o'clock? I mean, you'd already been outside in the rain for two hours. K-State was, they hadn't returned the touchdown, the punt for a touchdown yet. But the game was that over. was that was the way the game was going, you know. After halftime, if I was a fan, I would have felt a hundred percent comfortable leaving the game and going home. If K State has a rain game where it's sixty degrees and raining in November, after it's been cold a lot, it'll feel entirely different than what Saturday did. It was miserable. Sixty degrees and raining on Saturday felt like winter. I mean, just because we're not acclimated yet to the cold. And it happens pretty quickly. You get there pretty quickly. But 60 degrees feels cool right now, let alone a just persistent soaking rain. It was it was great for anyone trying to grow things, including us in our gardens here <laughs> and any farmers. Look, it can rain, but the lightning was the problem, caused a delay. I know I had a friend that said they drove in for the game. They were so soaked after that. It didn't stop raining, folks. It just stopped lightning. It kept raining, and they kept playing in it. It was a mess. And my friend said, we just went to they went to someplace in Aggieville and watched. I don't, I don't blame anyone for not wanting to be out in that. I admire the students that stuck around throughout the entire break, sitting out there, 
risking life and limb. I'm surprised that K-State didn't clear the bull. Yeah, let make that's, them go. That's kind of dangerous to to not cl- at least clear the bull out. That just shows you the lightning must have not been that close. But it was, though. Yeah, one of them was pretty close. They were they were close. We saw the flash, and then the bang was yeah. right on top of it. So, yeah, you know what? Yeah, those idiots that were down there in the student section, they were all my friends. So. At least. That's good. And at least they chanted the right things. Yes, they did. That's the, next, I think we can that's imp- the first question of the f- second half. That's so, a perfect segue right into this break. You're listening to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We'll be right back with more of your questions from Wabash Station. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the PowerCat Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge, Wholesale Liquor, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody. We are 100% gills-free today as he's out there making money. He's out there just slinging drinks and cashing checks. Yeah, whatever. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop into The Fridge when you come to town on Saturday for the Cats and the Green Wave. Great nickname. Oh, man. I wish Tulane was in the conference. I just do. Oh, I just We get to go to New Orleans. We have Tulane. And it, it helps your for all those people saying, well, we can't forget academics. Tulane delivers. They sure do. Oh, my gosh. It would be great. Yeah, I I don't think it's too much to ask for Brett Yormark, who I'm sure listens to this podcast. Brett, thank you for your support of the PowerCat podcast. <laughs> uh, that we get Tulane and UNLV in this league for the most important reason of all. Me, Tim Fitzgerald. I want it. Ratings might suck. But, you know, I'll be in Vegas and Tulane... In New Orleans, thinking, boy, those TV ratings think, were good. You think they can move the football season to March just for when K-State plays Tulane? Mm, I like it. I, it is a dream of mine. It is a dream of mine to get K-State into the Sugar Bowl so I can just witness the glory of the purple people from the plains of Kansas invading an incredibly different and wonderful, spectacular culture that you find in New Orleans. It is one of my favorite places I've ever visited. The people were wonderful and kind. It was great. I know there's problems with New Orleans. I get that. But for the most part, it would be really cool. And I am just joking about adding them to the Big 12. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. 
We'll see. Brett, I know you're listening. Uh, you can do whatever you want. I know Oregon and Washington might move the needle, but UNLV and Tulane would move me. Tim Fitzgerald, here's your questions from Wabash Station. First question of the second half comes from Miller M. 323. They have been on the site for four months, but this is their first post. Nice. So thank you for asking a question and your support of the podcast. They ask, it sounded like the students were chanting KSU during the Wabash Cannonball at the Missouri game. Did they save the tradition? And how close were they to actually losing it? Were they really going to stop playing it? Well, they had stopped playing it, but yes. they did go back to play it. They gave, gave them an opportunity. Credit to Jerome Tang. It had to be someone like him or the students who did a good job of self-policing, I believe. But Jerome Tang was in the student section doing it with him. He did it like he's done it a thousand times at a thousand different football games. How the hell is this guy more acclimated to K-State traditions than a lot of K-Staters? It's incredible. He played a big role in this, a significant role, and shout out to him. And I'm just going to add this. He wants Sandstorm. He knows the power of Sandstorm as a home court advantage. But if you've been following along with the kind of person Jerome Tang is and how grounded he is in his Christian fundamentals, he doesn't want that being chanted at his arena. He doesn't. And I hope the students understand that and respect others and their desire not to have that associated with the school. I think we can all agree that if it happens during the KU game, okay, okay, we can all agree that that's probably right. But anyhow, um, we probably should see it stop other times. I'll say this. Um, I've talked to some people really close to this situation, not only students, but other people that are involved in this decision-making process. And I, I, yes, to answer the question, yes, it was going to stop. Like, that was the plan. As soon as they played the first Wabash Cannonball, if there was any hint of those two words being together, they were done. It was done. It was over for the day. And it would have been such an issue the rest of the time that I don't even know if they would have played the rest of the season. That was a major concern amongst the people that were involved in making this decision. But I also know that there's people behind the scenes that really, really wanted the students to get this right. And honestly, I think it was peer pressure was the main reason behind this. I think Jerome Tang played a huge part in it, but it was peer pressure amongst the students themselves that said, hey, you know what? If you chant this, just understand that you're the reason why we lost this. Your pride should not get in the way of K-State's tradition. And I'm going to say this. There was an email sent out from the student body president that had Fitz's daily delivery in it. This was sent out on Friday. Um, for the students that watch that, if you haven't seen Fitz's Daily Delivery, go watch it. First of all, it's pretty funny. I know Fitz can be a goober sometimes, but that was funny. Goober, yes. Um, and, I, and it helped. I really think that helped. And so um, the word got out that this is how K-State students need to, to, to approach this. And I credit them because it very easily could have gone the other way. But I think this just shows that the majority of students are not drunk idiots. Right, And I'm not afraid to, to call the students that were chaining it drunk idiots. I would call them that to their face. If you were chaining that, you were a drunk idiot because that was the only select group of people that were chanting that. Well, the, the students that did chant KSU did a great job yes. of being loud. Yeah, and that's my, my thing with it. There was no chant ever during the Wabash Cannonball. You're bobbing back and forth. That's what you are doing with your body and your voice during the Wabash Cannonball. You are quiet and you're going back and forth. And until the chant became prevalent, that was the only other option to do. You can mm -hmm. use your voice to say that chant. Well, now there's, you know, the KSU in the middle of it, but that's now, that was never a tradition, so to speak. It's just to block out the other. So uh, 
it, it's a it's new weird. tradition now. It's well, weird. It's, the whole it's, thing's it's, evolved. I mean, the Wabash Cannonball was always a big deal, but we didn't bob during it when I was in school. The the tuba guys were bobbing. That's where it came from. But nobody bobbed. Then people started doing it, and that's cool. Now there's that arm pump going on, which was new and weird. I don't know. It does make it easier to kind of bob. Yeah. But um, the row in the boat. Yeah. It, so they do keep kind of adding to it, which is kind of cool. I mean, I, I don't mind if they chant KSU. I think no, I don't nice. mind that. I'm just saying it is new. It's it's the result of there were no words in it, and it allowed a, the cadence allowed a bad chant to become prevalent. I but it's also most and, and back to the my point. What I was trying to make was no one was saying anything. You know, the five ten percent of people that were chanting that, or at least started it and let it bleed into you know the other people surrounding them you know it gave them something to say when otherwise they wouldn't say anything so i think that you know there probably were a bunch of people that were still quiet during you know when the chant was happening but now it's required of you to chant ksu during that song i essentially. think i think the people that were chanting fku got the memo like oh crap yeah like uh, maybe we're not as loud as maybe it was well, not going to work in our favor the best way I've heard it put was, I think it was a student body president who said, save it for the bill, not the bill. I have no problem with the chant. It's about time and place. I've said this over and over. It's about time and place. When That's what the daily delivery about. When you say that word, you have to use it in appropriate places. Like I, I, Even if I'm in a bar and there's some guy at a table being, and if we're in a bar... But some guys just being loud and mouthy and there's families around eating dinner and F-bombing. I find it annoying. Yeah. It's it's not appropriate if there's families around dining to be F-bombing, even in a bar. That's me. Maybe that's the way I was raised. Maybe you were raised by by chimpanzees and don't have those guidelines in your life. But there are places where you can F-bomb and places where you can't. Maybe you were even raised more strictly than me and it's just not appropriate at any point. Time and place. And at a football stadium, it's not appropriate. You can say football games are not family-friendly. Then go to a damn Chiefs game because the NFL isn't family-friendly. This is a university. And this is a university where alumni like to bring their families back to watch games, including their children. If you can't understand the difference between an NFL environment and a college football environment in terms of what Kansas State should be, don't tell me about LSU. Don't tell me about anyone else cursing. That isn't my school. This is my school, and I'm only worried about it. If LSU wants me to to suck that tiger, you know what? Good for them. That's their choice. It'd be hard to get the tiger to cooperate. <laughs> but... I'm worried about Kansas State. The point is they were doing it during a legitimate school tradition that no one else has, and you ruined Bingo. a school tradition. It's you know, if they did Sandstorm and if they would have, you know, done it during Sandstorm, I don't think that this would be as big of an issue as what it became. But it became an issue with the school tradition and doing it during the middle of that. Can I just say this? I hate the people that make excuses for the students. That are backing and encouraging that. And you know what? If you're one of those people that are making those excuses, I, I, I think you're – I know you're wrong for doing that because there's a majority of the students that don't do that. You're defending the vocal minority, and there's, it's sad. There's just some people that want to create chaos, period. Oh, oh, the old people don't like it. Let's do it. Screw you guys. I mean, yeah. seriously, have some respect. If you don't have that level of respect about anything, um, I – 
Good luck in life. It is frustrating. It's good luck. Yeah. Next question from CFID. How amazing is Jerome Tang? <laughs> I've never met anyone like him. He's I, incredible. I, he could lose zero games this season. Or sorry, he could win. He could win. I zero think everybody games. would like him. I would love. I would games. love it if he uh, lost zero games. If he won zero games this season, just the energy that he has brought is tremendously better than the last however many seasons. I think zero might be troublesome, but I get your point. That's, he could not yes. make the NCAA tournament. Um, could not make post game or postseason tournament, and people would still be bought in. He could go six and twelve in Big Twelve right. play, and, and people and be would fine. go, "Okay, it's the first step." I I tweeted that I've only met one guy like Jerome Tang, and people would go, "Who's the other one?" No, Jerome Tang's the only person I met like Jerome Tang. Period. I he is absolutely infectious. He's positive. He puts off one of the best vibes I've ever been around. He just makes you happy to be around Jerome Tang. And if that's not a one-on-one thing, he does it with his presence in a room full of people. We saw it at the press conference, and we see it now at football games. When he walks up to the student section, the students freaking love the guy. They will do anything for him. And hopefully that means we'll get some of this corrected and we'll go back to being a loud and rowdy but more respectful place. I'm I'm all in. And and that's not just him. The whole staff. Coach Bourne at the volleyball match (laughs) with the cheerleaders was absolutely classic. He's trying to do a cheerleader routine. It was awful, but it was so funny. The whole staff is amazing. I've yet to have a one-on-one conversation with Jerome Tank, but I feel like I've known him for forever. And that's just the kind of person that he is. If you haven't seen uh, Hang with Tang when he's got the purple love seat in front of the union talking to students – all you need to know about and Jerome Tang. None of it is for show. None of it is rehearsed, scripted. That is who Jerome Tang is. He is he'd be a great talk show host. He's just genuinely interested in you and what you have to say. And, and he, it was incredible. He cares so much about not only his players, but just the whole university. Yeah. The, the the level of, at the buy-in with K-State is just unbelievable. Next question is come is comes from the Dat Cat. Great name. Uh, it's been a while since they've asked a question, and Zach says he honestly doesn't remember the name. So It was like 2019. Like, Riley was still putting the questions together if he would have asked a question. Who? So I have no clue. Uh, Who? Who? Uh, okay. I don't know. From the Dat Cat. With all the quote-unquote upsets at the beginning of the season, should the media suspend ranking teams until later in the season? It gives an unfair advantage to those ranked too high. Cough, cough, and M. I agree. How's K-State supposed to shoot up to 15 after the OU game, though? Okay, but does it really matter, though, like for college football playoff rankings? They don't actually start ranking teams until. I agree with you. And how many times have you seen surprises like, oh, this team is not even ranked and they're ranked 14th in the college football playoff poll? I agree with you to a degree, but these are humans on that committee. So there's no way they're not looking at the other polls to make sure they're not crazy. Right? I I just there's, there's no rankings in the NFL. And we know what teams are good and we know what teams are bad. If you say week six, we're going to rank teams, you already know what teams are good and what teams are bad. I, I would prefer they wait, but they have no requirement to do it. I mean, that's the preseason poll is a big deal for them. It's not like AP is profiting from the exposure they get from an early poll. If there, was, if there was no poll, teams would still, there would be websites. We would probably be guilty of it. Oh, here's our top 25 power rankings. Got it. And, and people would go and reference those. Oh, I'm all for getting rid of those rankings because then they'd have to come see ours. 
There we go. I'm I'm with There's you. Your <laughs> yeah, I, it it's just what it is. What it is. It literally is. You can't undo it. You can't stop it. And the idiots that you know have a lot of these votes will continue to vote for shiny things and things that they've been around their whole life. Like Texas being ranked 21st after losing. Yeah, exactly. They lost. At the end of the day, they yeah, lost. They jumped into did the they place. look? Did they look better? Yeah. But if Kansas State had lost to Alabama by one point, they would not have jumped into the rankings. Period. Bingo. Next question comes from Pain Train 95 and it's just specifically addressed to Fitz. I have to make that clear. Thank you, Pain Train. Fitz. Is what happened to Texas A&M a sign of the consequences of having NIL-focused teams? Now, I tweeted this question for others to respond to on on the Twitter machine. And here, here's my thing. It just seems interesting to me that A&M, very visible in NIL usage. Nebraska, that parking lot is full of fancy cars up there. Everyone knows it. They've been using the NIL. They've probably been doing it before it was legal. Keep going down the list. Notre Dame, well, we found out about the NIL with Notre Dame, didn't we? How important they're putting on it. Missouri, well, their star receiver is at Missouri because of the NIL. They're using it too. I'm just telling you, you introduce players who haven't earned it in a locker room full of players who have earned it and aren't getting it, you have issues. This is not going to go away. This is going to be ongoing. This will wreck locker rooms. This will cause what programs are perceived to be better and more talented, and maybe they are, to lose more and more often because nothing defeats the feeling of unity and team inside of a locker room. If you don't have that when you walk on the field, you're in you-know-what trouble. It starts with mother and ends with something else. You are in big trouble if you walk on that field and guys are jealous because that guy's getting paid and I'm ahead of him on the depth chart and this guy. If any of that is in your locker room, you're in trouble. Coaches are going to come to realize it. They're going to want to get away from it. And they're going to realize that this kid that came here because we gave him this big fancy schmancy NIL and that booster who paid him, they're now pressuring me to play this person even though they're not earning it. This is trouble. And the more you can stay away with it, stay away from it, and use it in a healthier way, the better off you'll be. Texas Tech's got it figured out. Everyone's going to get X amount of dollars from their NIL collective. Now, I don't know how they're going to sustain it at about $6 million a year. I think I figured it up. But they're going to do it that way. Good for them. Good luck. It's going to be worse for basketball. Oh, he'll just destroy basketball I programs. Mean, uh, immediately, we think of Nigel Pack. And just look, watch Miami this year. I mean, there's oh. no way. If uh, and and I've mentioned this um, to colleagues at the, before the press conference. How is Nigel going to get treated in practice? I I think they're going to rough him up. Hey, four hundred thousand. How you doing, man? Here's an elbow. Mm-hmm. I'm getting Jack. And I was here when we went to the Elite Eight. You were on a team that didn't make a tournament. Imagine being a coach having to deal with the basketball trauma, too. It'll be a mess. It's going to be a mess. Uh, Welcome to modern college athletics. Last questions. We're combining the last two questions of the the podcast. From Joe Katz, are we in real danger of losing our head coach to Nebraska? (laughs) And from Wildcat Pilot 88, rather he is offered the job or not. What do you think? Chris Kleiman's off-the-record opinion is of it. Well, I'm sure as a football coach, he's got tremendous respect for the history of Nebraska. 
But I think Nebraska is going to find out this current version. It's not just about losing. It's about where they're at with the NIL, with a fan base that still thinks they're, they should be on the equal footing of Alabama. The fan base that is so out of touch with the reality of what's going on, who can't admit where their actual problems are, it's the quarterback. It's the head coach. You know, it, you, you left your conference where your tradition resided, and you left your recruiting base where your tradition was grown. And now nobody gives a crap about Nebraska. Now, look, you want to think I can throw money at Chris Kleiman and he'll come to Can- he'll come leave little old Kansas State to go to Nebraska. First, with everything I just said as a backdrop, I can't imagine a world in which Nebraska fans, being Nebraska fans, would accept a hiring of a Kansas State or a Kansas coach. Because I think Lance Leipold is actually a, a more of a candidate for that. Um but I don't think either one of these guys are motivated simply by money. I think Lance Leipold at KU has a project he's working on and isn't going to bail on it in, until he feels like he's accomplished something. And Chris Kleiman said flat out, Gene Taylor's my guy. I think the bigger worry if you're Kansas State is if Nebraska really wants him, someone will look at Trev Alberts and say, well, you suck too. We're hiring Gene Taylor and we're bringing in Chris Kleiman. He does suck. He, he should be on the chopping block after what he gave Fred Hoiberg and the, and the basketball contract too. And and the buyout, not waiting two more weeks on and spending seven and a half million dollars. Somebody had to have said, "Here's the money," but that's Nebraska fans for you. But if that's true, they said, "Here's the money." Look, that isn't magic money that appeared out of nowhere. That's money. Next time you want to build something, you're going to go back to the guy and he's going to. I gave you seven and a half million dollars for something else. That that money was probably coming to Nebraska in some form at some point if you're that committed. I don't I, I I can see why Nebraska fans would think they have the pick of the litter, but you are literally litter now. This is this is what this is what I go back to. We talked about this what two weeks ago, the Kansas or Nebraska job. This is just a hypothetical that I brought up at the end of the show. Can you imagine in a world four weeks ago where we would say you know what? Scott Frost is going to get fired. Yes, we could imagine that. But then could could you imagine us saying, no, we don't think Lance Leipold would leave? That's where we are. I, I'm right. You're right. Because that's how big of a mess Nebraska is. They don't understand what a mess they have. All the all the talk about Adrian Martinez, notice how that went away? As soon as they lost to Georgia Southern, none of that, none of that oh, I saw about it. Adrian. I saw you still saw some? I saw a guy saying, well, I see Adrian still can't throw. After beating an SEC team 40-12 to 12, and Nebraska loses at home to Georgia Southern, they're still talking. Someone was still talking trash on AM. What? That, this, that fan base is so out of touch with reality and where their program's at. If you think you can buy your way to excellence, good luck, folks. You can't. It's not how it works. You might make more money in the Big Ten. You might be able to pay a coach more money. But I got news for you. If you take a coach that's getting $3 million someplace and you give him $9 million at Nebraska, he's not three times the coach he was before. (laughs) He's still the same damn football coach, just getting paid more, and you'll have to buy him out for more at the end of the day. You better go find someone that really fits your culture and understands how to build a program. That's why I think Lance Leipold is more tangible than Chris Kleiman because he's now in his second straight building project. And Chris Kleiman took over a dominant power and then inherited a program with some tradition that wasn't really that far down. Is it is it fair to say that Kleiman's off-the-record opinion is hell no? 
Yeah, I, I bet think you he thinks. I bet you he loves. He loved the situation the last couple of years. Situation. He can get. You know, he's able to get their quarterback, get a good wide receiver, get a good linebacker if he's healthy. Like Chris Kleiman probably loves the the fact that mm-hmm. there's probably some recruits that may be committed to Nebraska that could be back on the table. Oh yeah, they're definitely the, a mess. The mess at Nebraska. Chris Kleiman is licking licking his chops, not because he could take the job, but because of what it means for his job at K State, and it's going to make it easier for him at K State. Well, they've had good luck in the transfer portal. You hire a new coach, there'll be more players in that transfer portal. Yeah, I, I don't know who Nebraska is going to hire. I think actually Nebraska's best plan, and I sincerely mean this, you fired your coach after two games. Do what Tech did. Go find three games? Three, three games. games. I'm sorry. They played, I forgot they about played in Ireland. They played in Ireland. It does count. Uh, three games. You fired your coach after three games. Go hire someone that can come to your university right now and start maybe not coaching, but be involved in the program so that the locker room knows who they are. The fans get engaged with them, and you can actually put them out on the recruiting trail if you give them the right title. You can do all of those things if you go get someone that's not in the job market. Urban Meyer, Bob Stoops, I don't know. Chris Peterson is a really valid name. Did you bring it up? Yeah. Chris Peterson, that's go get someone out of a booth that has been a proven good head coach, bring them in acclimate them to the program, acclimate the the players to the new coach while letting Mickey Joseph do his thing as interim head coach. And plus, folks, if Nebraska goes six and six this season after going six and, well, five and, I just lost my math. Not making a bowl game the last four seasons. Yeah, if they get to a bowl game with an interim coach getting five of those six wins or more, I I don't know how you don't hire him. He just proved he's better. Because I don't think the roster's better. I I know you convinced yourself that Casey Thompson is the God's gift, which I don't know how you did based on his success or lack thereof at Texas, but congratulations on that. You know who else is available? Who? John Gruden. Oh, they they wouldn't mind that at all. (laughs) He'd fit right in. They wouldn't mind that at all. That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. We appreciate your support so much. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, click subscribe right up there at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Was that your little... That was Alexa. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry, Alexa. And uh, make sure you follow along at YouTube. we got some great stuff. The Friday walkthrough. We're going to record it early this week because Thursday night when we record is Chiefs Thursday. We're sponsored by The Fridge. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.